This is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms, brought to you by Elevate Fitness of Syracuse Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare and our great, great friends over at Burn Dairy. If you are in and around Central New York, stop in for the pizza, the hot and cold subs. They've got a bunch of great menu items. And of course, the ice cream is to die for, the chocolate milk, you name it, they've got it. Your one-stop shop for all things grocery and drink. The donuts in the morning are to die for. Get on over to Burn Dairy. They obviously have gas stations for you as well, uh, gas pumps for you. So uh, get on over there to Burn Dairy. Brand new location on Morgan Road in Liverpool as well. Burn Dairy is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Let's recap divisional weekend in the NFL. I mean, if you are a diehard football fan, if you love the NFL, um, it maybe has not been this good for you and maybe will never be again. Uh, You hate to say never, right? Never say never um, because anything can happen. And and certainly, um, you know, the the second we think that, you know, Jack Nicholas, nobody's going to touch him, along comes Tiger Woods or... Um, you know, it's just how it works. Sports are sports. Um, I'll tell you what, you know, there were three kicks that happened in the last, basically the last couple of seconds of the game, three kicks at the buzzer to end the first three games. And then a bunch of heartbreak. If you are a Buffalo Bills fan. So let's get first to, uh, the Saturday games. I want to do recap on each of those. I'm going to spend the majority of my time on Chiefs Bills because I think that was the best game. I think it was the most entertaining game. Um, it might have been between the two best teams in the NFL. I, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, I know a lot of people just want to pencil Kansas City into the Super Bowl or wanted to pencil in the Bills if they had win one, but it's not that simple. Tennessee and Green Bay both had home field advantage and they both lost on Saturday. Um, we're talking about twelve and thirteen win teams. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers as being one of the great elite. Uh, quarterbacks we've ever seen, most talented, great arm talent, blah, blah, blah. This guy is awful in the playoffs. He's 0-4 against the 49ers. So you can't just say, well, because this happened, that will happen, right? Like the Packers were 8-0 and at home this year. They lost in the first round of the 49ers. And I thought that that was the one game that the Packers didn't want was San Fran. I'm going to get to that game in a second, but let's just start in order, and we'll go right to Bengals and the Titans. This game was 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 physical from the jump. The Titans defense just came after Joe Burrow left and freaking right. Nine sacks in this game. And you know when it was what was it nine six at the half in in favor of Cincinnati, I said to myself, you know what? They've kind of got the Titans right where they want them in a way. In a weird way. Because, look, I know Tennessee wanted to get the ground game going with Henry and Foreman. I, Henry didn't really give him a ton. Uh, and Foreman and company. Um, and they want to play low scoring. They want to play, you know, close to the vest. They want to. Here's the thing. You can sort of go up against that feeling and that thinking with their game plan, their DNA, run the football defense, right? Like ground and pound, keep the ball away from Burrow, control the clock, control possession. Okay. 
but you can go against all those things with, with these simple practices, right? If you keep the game close and you're on the road, the home team pressure ramps up quite a bit. Because when you get the one seed, when you win 12 or more games, when you're 7-2 and two at home like the Titans, when you had the week off last week, when you're a complete team, all the things that we talk about, so many of the NFL pundits out there, hey, don't sleep on the Titans. Don't, and, you know, don't. Right. I mean, we, sh- you, know, you can't sleep on them just because they're not playing. But they looked awful. They looked flat. And the Bengals... It was funny because even though the Titans, you know, outscored them 10 to 7 in the third quarter, we went into the fourth quarter and we're, we're all, you know, we're all um, at uh, it's 16, 16. And I'm sitting there going, you know, they're trading back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions. That's the number one reason why the Titans lost. The Titans are a good football team. The Titans will win many AFC Souths with this group before they're done. They will make the postseason. They may very well have a bunch of 12-win seasons for the rest of you know this group's tenure. But they are not going to, unless something wild happens, where they get an 85 Bears defense or a Bucks defense led by Sapp and and those guys in, in, in John Lynch and that group, right? Derek Brooks or the Ravens defense with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Tony Saragusa and Sam Adams and all those type of guys, Rod Woodson, right? Unless they get that situation or a, a couple other, maybe a huge special teams unit that can just make plays all the time, Tennessee ain't win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill. They just aren't. You're going up against guys like Joe Burrow. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert in this conference. You ain't winning a Super Bowl with Ryan frickin' Tannehill, man. You're not. He was awful in this game. Horrible. His QBR was 10.4. The first play of the game, he threw an interception. And you're like, oh, here we go. Right? Tannehill already. And then late in the game, I think it was his third pick, it was it was a hell of a play by the defensive back for Cincinnati. Like he tipped it, and I get that, and he got in front. But it was still a throw to chaos. Ryan Tannehill throws into chaos. That's his number one problem. And look, the Titans were able to get 140 yards on the ground. They got a touchdown out of Henry. They got 62 yards out of him on 20 carries. He still wasn't himself. I thought it was unbelievable that he even was out there, much like Cam Akers. And we'll get to the Rams in a moment as well. But you ain't winning if you have Ryan Tannehill. And he's going to throw picks, man. He's going to throw them all the time. Now, look, he had his splash moments, right? Like when Cincinnati was up 16-9 to and he threw that gorgeous back shoulder to A.J. Brown. Cool. That's nice. Like, that was good. But he threw three picks. If he throws two picks, maybe they win. And so Ryan Tannehill... With that interception, and I'll tell you what, it's just the most unbelievable, unbelievable situation in these NFL games, isn't it? One play, one anything. I mean, 
it, it swings, it swings momentum, it swings who wins and loses. It's unbelievable. That one interception that was intended for Westbrook Akine, I think is how you pronounce it. He was intercepted by Wilson. Um and I think it was I think it was Apple who deflected the ball, I think. Um so Wilson then create you know has the ball in possession of the four he's at the 47 yard line. And there's 20 seconds to go in the game. Folks, Cincinnati has a damn kicker. They've got a great kicker, a rookie kicker. Remember when they got murdered in the NFL headlines when they took a kicker in the fifth round? How's that looking now? Evan McPherson made not one, not two, not three, but four field goals in this game. He, along with Joe Burrow, were the best players for the Cincinnati Bengals against the Tennessee Titans. And all you need is a few seconds if you're Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase because the frozen rope to the right side, McPherson goes out there and blasts one from 52 yards. Cincinnati going to the AFC Championship game for the first time since 1988. Absolutely remarkable. Joe Burrow, spectacular again. They didn't get a ton out of Mixon, but they got a lot out of Chase. He's just an absolute number one freak superstar already. Joe Burrow, man, 28 to 37. I know his QBR was down 28.2, but that had to do with the one interception. Other, I mean, he was spectacular other than that. Uh, he didn't he didn't lose the game, which Tannehill did. 28 of 37 for 348 yards, 93.1 on the rating. Chase Higgins, Mixon, they've got a big-time offense. And by the way, final thing on this game, I thought the Cincinnati front really brought it again. They brought it a ton in the first playoff game, and they brought it again against the Tennessee Titans. That front for the Bengals, there aren't stars. There is no Nick Bosa. There is no Von Miller or Aaron Donald. But in two games in the playoffs against the Raiders and the Tennessee Titans, that front has brought it. And I think the Cincinnati D-line deserves a ton of credit. Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, fun team, good for Cincinnati, happy for their fans. And uh, off they go into the AFC title game. And they will play Kansas City. I'll get to that game last. Um, 49ers, 13-10 winners over the Packers. Here's the deal. Packers were up 7 to nothing at the half. And you said to yourself, man, the 49ers at the end of the first half had Jimmy Garoppolo throw that awful interception when they were driving down to tie it. If they just had a competent quarterback, right? If they just had somebody better than Jimmy G, this game wouldn't be close. But you kept saying that. But as I texted my man, Mike Harwood, who's a huge 49er fan, I said, dude, they got him right where they want him because the Packers could not move the ball down the field and they just couldn't get points on the board. And again, it favored the possession, running the ball with gadgets, motion type offense, clock possession, uh, great defensive line. I mean, you want to talk about Fred Warner. You want to talk about Eric Armstead. You want to talk about Nick Bosa on the front line and in the middle of that defense, uh, that defense is absolutely suffocating. They were all over the place uh, on Aaron Rodgers. Um, this is a team that went for five more sacks, and it was an unbelievable clinic defensively. Dante Johnson, Fred Warner, right? Like Eric Armstead, he had two sacks. Nick Bosa handling double teams and other people getting open, right? Like other than Devontae Adams, who Aaron Rodgers obviously is obsessed with 
throwing to, and, and rightfully so. He's a hell of a player. Um, but the Packers couldn't find anybody else. And I feel like sometimes Rodgers, you know, for as great as he is, he locks in on that one guy. Now, again, in fairness, Devontae Adams is arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. But a lot of times Adams is in a very, very tight space and Rodgers will still go to him or he'll still wait for him to get open. And in that time, Rodgers gets dumped. In that time, Rodgers should be getting rid of the football. In that time, Rodgers could easily dump it down to Aaron Jones on a screenplay. He did that a lot, nine catches for 129. But you get where I'm going with this. Maybe Mercedes Lewis or Alan Lazard or Randall Cobb is open for one or two quick six-yard gains, right? Like, take what the defense gives you, check down, Adams is taken away, go to a couple other guys here and there, then go back to Adams, go back to the ground game, Dylan Jones, blah, blah, blah. Aaron Rodgers doesn't do that. When he is super into one way and one way only, and he's the most stubborn guy in the league, obviously, as we've if we as we've learned over the offseason and into now, okay, this guy just zeroes in on, on Devontae Adams. Go back and watch. Go back and look at what I'm talking about. There are a ton of plays where Aaron Rodgers goes back to throw and he knows I gotta go to Adams, I gotta go to Adams, I gotta go to Adams, I gotta and he's not there. He's not there. Devontae Adams got a lot of targets. He had nine catches for 90 yards. It was a very solid game for him, but the Packers could not capitalize at any point. They were sacked a lot. They were controlled in this game. The 49ers pushed them around. And as we fast forward to the second half, Green Bay outscores them 10-3 in the fourth quarter, actually 13-3 in the half total. Green Bay couldn't even get in the end zone uh, after the first quarter. Credit the 49er defense and, and some miserable things that were going on with Green Bay's offense as well. I mean, it's you know it's twofold. There, there, there is an opponent on the other side, right, uh, for San Fran. But also, again, Rodgers and decision-making and a lot of the BS there uh, didn't help. But, but I'm here to tell you that for as much crap as Jimmy Garoppolo gets, and rightfully so, the guy is wild. He's good for one bad pick every game. In the fourth quarter, after the 49ers had that unbelievable block on special teams, which again, 10-3, to Packers were awful offensively. They were trapped into their own area. They go to punt it, 49ers block it, and they run it into the end zone, and it's 10-10. San Francisco ends up getting the ball back, and Jimmy Garoppolo, as the snow is flying, as the temperatures continue to drop, the wind is swirling, the pressure's on, the ground is hard as hell, everybody's doubting Jimmy Garoppolo. He made some throws in that fourth quarter. And my man, he can control the two-minute clock. He is great in the fourth quarter. I think he has a 4-1 and playoff mark now. Like, all the wildness and all the uncertainty, I understand. Jimmy Garoppolo ain't, in most cases, Aaron Rodgers. Allen, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, all these guys we talk about. Herbert, Burrow, Lamar. He's not. Tom Brady. He's not those guys. However, he can, in the fourth quarter, make some major throws. And he found people instantly. He got the ball out of his hands. Kittle, Samuel, and others. And it set up a 45-yard field goal at the buzzer for the second time in the divisional weekend playoffs. Robbie Gould, one of the best kickers in the NFL, 
puts it through 13 to 10. Niners win. Packers have a lot to think about in the offseason. What will Aaron Rodgers do? What will he want to do? Will it matter? Will the Packers try to trade him? Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think it might be a good time, okay, for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Because I picked this team to win the Super Bowl, okay? I mean, 13 and 4 overall, 8 0 at home. You get home field again, you and, and you're one and done, right? Last year, you, you had the home field again. You hosted. Bad play at the end of the first half. Mike Pettin's defense left solo coverage. Touchdown Bucks Changes the whole game. Bucks win. Packers go home again. Left to think about it. Dealt with the offseason with Rodgers. Now we're here again. What do the Packers do? It might be time. And, and, and I don't know as if Jordan Love is exactly the answer here. But it might be time to trade Aaron Rodgers. It might be time to just sit in a room and say, hey, look, this has been a great ride. But while we've been in the playoffs all the time, we've had home field all the time, we feel like because you are, you know, arguably a top five to ten quarterback in the history of the game, we should have been going to more Super Bowls. If I'm Brian Gutekunst, I'm sitting Aaron Rodgers down, and I'm controlling the conversation. And I'm telling him how it is. And I'm telling him what I want to do. And I'm pointing the finger at Aaron Rodgers for a change. Aaron Rodgers deserves zero credit for this year at all because of what his playoff performance was. And here's the thing. Where do I have Rodgers in the pantheon of uh, quarterbacks all time? I think he's probably in the top 10. But I don't know if I go inside of 8 or, or, or 6 or 4 or 2 certainly not number one, because of the playoff performances. Listen, it's hard to get a Super Bowl ring, man. Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, Dan Fouts, right, Fran Tarkenton, they're all in the Hall of Fame with those bronze buffs. None of them have a ring. Jim Kelly had four stabs, couldn't get it. Dan Marino went in his rookie year, didn't go back, right? Loss of the Niners, didn't go back. Fran Tarkenton, all those, all those heartbreak Super Bowls in the 70s, didn't get one. Dan Fouts, knocking on the door, knocking... Didn't get one. Played in a tough era. Raiders, Steelers, etc. Right? Cowboys, Dolphins. Like, this is an end of the 80s, 49ers, right? It's hard to get a ring. But Aaron Rodgers has been, I guess, most people think the best football player on the planet the last couple of years. And you've had home field repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. I'm not saying that you can go, you should go to the Super Bowl every year. Not saying you should win it every year. But if you have as many chances as Rodgers and the Packers have had, which they have, make no mistake about it. This is there is there are no excuses in Green Bay, Wisconsin, in my opinion. Okay? Aaron Rodgers failed. And he's repeatedly failed in the postseason. He is now 0-4 against the 49ers. He doesn't play aggressive enough. He zeroes in on his one guy, and that's that. And the team around him has been good enough despite him complaining in the offseason. It has been good enough. So congratulations to the 49ers. Packers are going home. They got a lot of questions to answer. Moving to the Sunday games. ML Sports Platter brought to you by Liverpool Physical Therapy, Burn Dairy, Welch and Company Jewelers, and our great friends at Stanley Law Offices. Together, they'll work to get you the maximum award.
Rams and Buccaneers. I thought that the Rams came out with a lot more firepower. I thought they came out more aggressive. I thought that they came out with a lot more energy. The Bucks looked flat. Brady didn't look good. I credit Von Miller and Aaron Donald and, and all those guys. Floyd, I mean, these guys up front are a monstrous group. They were wreaking havoc. This game was 20-3 to at the half and 27-3 to in the third quarter. And the joke started coming out. 28-3 with the Falcons. Could it happen again? Twitter's buzzing. Here we go. And sure enough, one after another, after another, after another. Right? I mean, the Rams tried in the second half to get rid of uh, their chances at a Super Bowl 100 ways to Sunday. Right? I mean, <laughs> when you think about it, you know, the camp, the missed field goal from 49, right? The fumble, right? Stafford, um, you know, not hitting guys like he did in the first half, right? Um, I actually thought this game, by the way, was the, 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 the best officiated game in the entire group. I thought this game was awesome. In fact, what highlighted it for me was late in, I think it was late in the fourth quarter, um, it was a a fourth down and Tom Brady, I think it was fourth, and Brady threw it to the left corner for Mike Evans. And it was incomplete. The ball hit the ground, and then Weddle came across and popped Evans. And it was clearly a penalty. It was an unsportsmanlike. There's no doubt about it. But the play was over, dead, and done with. And the referees looked at it, and they went to the microphone with Evans and Gronk and everybody screaming in their ears because the Buccaneers, that's what they do. That's what Brady does. That's what his teammates do. And I know a lot of others do it, but Brady, man, I'll get to him in a second. Like, guys, please make the right call here. And they did. They went on the microphone and they explained it. The ball was incomplete. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. It was dead. Ba 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 ba. And then the unsportsmanlike play happened after the play was whistled dead. Perfect explanation. Perfect. Right? Like ball was on the ground. That's it. And then, so as the Rams are trying to piss this thing away, right? They they get the ball back. Why was Tampa Bay in, in a single coverage uh, situation. I, I have no idea. They had, I think, a safety step up, and Cooper Cup was left down the middle of the field. And you're like, wow, can Matt Stafford make this play? I mean, you could tell he was open. You could tell. I, I, I mean, he just ran right by guys. And ba-boom, Matt Stafford connects with Cooper Cup. The throw of his career and what a moment it was. And then Matt Gay comes in, nails the chippy shot from 30, and the Rams go on to win. By the way, earlier in the game, Tom Brady got hit in the chest by, I think, Von Miller. And the helmet rose a little bit up to the chin, and Brady got a bloody lip. There was no penalty on Miller. Brady lost his mind. He's screaming and yelling and swearing at the refs. He gets an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. And 
all the Brady slurpers, all the Brady lovers, listen, I respect the guy as much as anybody. How can you not? Ten appearances in the Super Bowl. He's won seven rings. He's the most decorated, uh, accomplished football player in the history of the sport. Okay? But he's also a whiner. And he's also gotten a million breaks in the past. Okay? He's gotten the tuck rule. We didn't even know what the tuck rule was until they called it the tuck rule. It was in the it was in the rule book apparently, but nobody knew what the tuck rule was. So then they implemented and said that what happened with Charles Woodson and the Raiders that was a tuck rule play, when it actually wasn't because it was a fumble because Brady's arm was still slightly backward and the Raiders got a, a Super Bowl berth stolen from them. That's how the Patriot dynasty started. Tom Brady got away with Spygate. They cheated. They filmed people. Go read Brian O'Leary's Spygate book. It's one of the best books you'll ever read, right? I don't care about Deflategate. I've told that story a million times. <clears throat> Tom Brady complains. He gets all the calls, you know? He gets, somebody breathes on him. The guy gets a penalty, right? So it was nice to see the tables turned a little bit there. And I wouldn't have called a penalty on Miller. I know some people came at me on Twitter there, you know, oh, you know, he gets a bloody lip and he got the you unsportsman know, like this is ridiculous. Oh my God, you didn't see the the helmet in the okay the helmet in the chest. Oh, okay, now so so then we're agreeing then. It was, no, we're not agreeing. We're not. I would not have flagged Von Miller. I don't think it was a penalty. I would love to see Tom Brady try to play in the eighties and nineties. You know what that bloody lip would have been? Nothing. It would have been wiped away, cleaned up on the sidelines whenever they get to it, and onward we go. Those punishing defenses, the 49ers, right, the Giants, the Cowboys, come on, man, the 85 Bears, Tom Brady would never last in that era. Luckily for him, he's playing in an era where it's never been easier to play quarterback. But I was all for no call there. I thought the Rams really showed a lot. I mean, you're up 27-3, you give it 27-6, 27-13. Mike Evans gets that beauty pass from Brady, 55 yards. You're like, oh, here we go. One, one touchdown type of thing here, right? Leonard Fournette, seven-play, 30-yard uh, drive, 143. And, uh, you know, Tampa ties it up with under a minute to go. And you're like, well, here we go again, you know? And then Stafford makes the play. After being up by 24, relinquishing the lead, Matt Stafford saved the bacon. As did Cooper Cup. So I was really, really impressed with the Rams how they came out, how they got the lead, and how despite blowing the lead and almost blowing the game and their chances at a Super Bowl, Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup came through to make up for it. And I thought that was a great, great way for Matt Stafford to win the game. Why? Because it was adversity. If he was up 27-3 and then 34-3 and 41-3, they would have just kept piling on and the pressure isn't really there. The pressure got ratcheted back up because Tampa Bay came back. So kudos to the Rams. By the way, they could end the season with two home games, NFC Championship, which they'll host, and the Super Bowl is at SoFi. So the Rams, here we go. Here we go. I'll tell you what, man. They're in a really good spot. Really, really good spot. Great play, uh, by the way, out of Cooper Cup across the board. Nine for 183 and a touchdown. Mike Evans was spectacular. Both those guys were amazing. Uh, Brady definitely had his moments for sure. Uh, he threw it 54 times, though. And Matt Stafford was was really good in this game. He did not throw an interception, by the way. Um, 
you know, and, and there were little splash hits here and there to guys like Higby and Van Jefferson. They ran actually Van Jefferson on that one, you know, quick reverse thing that was really, really good. 15-yard gain, unbelievable call by McVay and his staff. Uh, and by the way, Sean McVay is a big boy head coach, man. He's just a big boy head coach. They're aggressive. That team is confident. He's a big-time head coach. You know, in, in Stafford, he, he, he shared it with, you know, all of them. Jefferson, Higby, Beckham, Cup. Just, it was just a really good game, a really good game, a really good comeback, a really good uh, play to end it with Stafford to cup and the field goal. Rams march on to the NFC title game where they will host the 49ers. All right, ML Sports Platter here brought to you by Stanley Law Offices, Welch and Company Jewelers, and our great friends at Syracuse Fitness Store. Make sure you head on over to the Syracuse Fitness Store for all the best equipment. Erie Boulevard, if you're in and around Central New York, they've got the the the, the, the exercise bikes, they've got the ellipticals, the free weights, the workout mats, you name it, they've got it at the Syracuse Fitness Store, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. And also want to throw a tip of the cap thank you to the Swan and Whitaker families, as well as our terrific friends at Camillus Golf Club and Ken's Auto Detailing. Finally, listen, everybody knows I'm a diehard Buffalo Bills fan. This game was heartbreaking. It was gut-wrenching. It was worse on Monday morning as I record this than Sunday night. Every time you wake up from sleeping, you think about the loss. I can't get it out of my head. I won't be able to get it out of my head. The only way I can get any of these horrible losses out of my head is if they win the Super Bowl. And there are so many ways to go about breaking this game down. There's so much to unpack. I could start with the OT rule. I could start with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. I could start with the matchup. I could start with, um, you know, the last two minutes. I could start with the decision-making of the Bills. And Here's where I'm going to start, and then I'm going to kind of peel off of it, okay? At the end of the day, as a Buffalo Bills fan, I think you have to be nervous about one thing, and that is that the Bills could be really good to great to elite. For three, four, five, six, seven years, maybe, maybe, maybe that long. NFL windows, we know, <laughs> they shut in a hurry. And they still might not sniff a title because they're in the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Kansas City Chiefs era. And I know I got some pushback on Twitter with this one as well. But the reality is, I understand that the NFL is not set up like that. It's not set up to have a Jordan dynasty, blah, blah, blah. But we just saw it happen. I'm not saying Kansas City is going to nine Super Bowls and winning six. But we just saw it happen. We've already seen the Chiefs go to three straight AFC Championship games, two straight Super Bowls, and if the Patriots hadn't beaten them in overtime, right, it'd be, four, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be three straight Super Bowls and a chance of going to four in a row. Only one other team's done it, the 90s Bills. That's what we're dealing with. It's a generational quarterback. It's an unbelievable head coach and play caller. It's an unbelievable GM and Brett Veach. They have two guys in the open space who are unstoppable in Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. They have just enough on defense when they need it. They're super fast. They've been there. They've been through the battles. And I just don't know if the Bills are ever going to be able to get over this hurdle. I really don't. 
I know that Bills fans come back at me with, no, 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 they're there, the roster, McDermott and Bean, and as long as you have number 17 and Josh Allen, okay, you know, like, you have a chance. Okay, great, I, I, I understand that. But so did Charles Barkley. So did Clyde Drexler. So did John Stockton and Cara Malone and Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, right? I mean, on down the line, it goes Dominique Wilkins, right? And I, I could name them all, right? Patrick Ewing, Barkley, Neek, Drexler, Kemp and Payton. Reggie Miller. I mean, I reiterate, I keep you know, Hakeem Olajuwon and the Rockets, they won two titles when Michael Jordan was retired. I don't know if the Bulls win eight in a row if he doesn't retire, but you get the point. The second Michael Jordan retired, the door opened for the next two or three best teams. Right? It'd be like Patrick Mahomes in one year going, yeah, you know what, I'm good. I'm going to go play baseball for a couple years. Okay, now the door's wide open more for the Bills. And it stings a lot. And I think this one hurts more than the Music City Miracle. And I think this one hurts for me more than the Texans loss from a couple of years back. More than last year, well, more than last year's AFC title game? Maybe. Maybe because the Bills were new to the new to the new to the game. And they were on the road against Kansas City. And it was the first time type of thing. So maybe it does hurt a little bit more. And here's why. Um I mean, right behind the Super Bowls, maybe this is the most painful loss for me. Because the Bills, despite the fact that they laid the biggest egg this season against Jacksonville, and despite the fact that Josh Allen slipped and couldn't get a yard on fourth down and Deion Dawkins got blown up at Tennessee, they still had an AFC championship game at home on a silver platter if they had just closed this game out. If they had just beaten the Chiefs, they would be hosting in Buffalo this week. Could you imagine the atmosphere? Could you imagine the town? Could you imagine all that stuff? And instead, we're sitting here second-guessing a couple of big things. The first of which, and again, Monday morning quarterback, I understand. I'm not a GM. I'm not a head coach. There's a lot more people out there who have forgotten more football than I know. But here's where I question the Bills. When you take the lead, and it's with 13 seconds to go, okay, and you are kicking off. I misspoke in my living room. Um, I was like, "Oh, just put it out. You know, put it in the end zone. You don't want the you don't want the return." I misspoke because I, then I quickly thought right after that, "Wait a minute, no, you dummy! Like you don't want to do that." Um, look, there's always a risk if you don't put it in the end zone and away from them. There's always a risk of a return, right? But if you squib kick it, and you have Tyler Bass, who's an ultra talented kicker, if you squib kick it you know, on the ground, all the way down, let's say he catches it around like, you know, the, the 18, the 20, 22-ish, and he gets up to the 30, chances are that six, seven, eight seconds milk off the clock. Now you're already down to six seconds. That only gives you one play. And sure, you could still get 30 yards or whatever and get up there and, and kick a 60-yarder and, and tie it. Okay, but don't you like your chances a lot better? With Patrick Mahomes having only one play with sixteen with 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 six seconds, instead of Patrick Mahomes from the twenty-five with thirteen seconds, I do. I do. And when the Bills scored that touchdown, I said to myself, "That unbelievable, unbelievable fourth and thirteen. I mean, just ridiculous plays in this game. By the way, just absurd. Um, you know." When when you think about it, I was sitting there 
after the Bills had scored and taken the lead, and I said, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, I don't, this game's not over. You know? This game's not over. And Kansas City gets the ball, and it's sling, sling, field goal, and then the coin toss, which we know overtime rules are stupid in the NFL. I, I know that. That's not my number one blame. However, my number one blame is the fact that the defense couldn't get a stop and also the kickoff decision. Those come ahead of the OT rule. Josh Allen picked tails. He's been wrong the last couple of times, but he's been perfect before that. Um, and then you just knew. You're like, okay, well, there goes the season because the Chiefs are home. There's no way that that offense isn't going down and scoring. There's just no way. And they went all the way down and scored. And that was that. And Mahomes made a beautiful throw to Kelsey. And, and that was your ballgame. And it's just really, really, really hard to swallow if you're a Bills fan. Um, they were, again, uh, this is a championship caliber team this year that fell short, that had the Chiefs beat with 13 seconds to go. And you had an AFC title game at home waiting for you next weekend. And they couldn't close the door. And now I don't know. I just don't know if they can get back. Can they make the playoffs again? Probably. Can they win a couple more divisions? Yay, probably. But I don't know if they can keep getting back to these spots. AFC title game, divisional round playoff. It's so hard to win in this league. This was as good a chance for the Bills as any to get to the Super Bowl. They will go into next year and they will not be, in my book, as primed and ready to make it to a Super Bowl. This run, and again, prisoner of the moment, maybe, but this is the reality. It was on a silver platter. You didn't close. The OT rule stinks. Everybody knows that each team deserves a possession. But you know what? Don't let it get there if you're Buffalo. Okay? Don't let it get there. You know? Just don't let it get there. And I think another area where the Bills really, really screwed up, and I think I pin most of it on Leslie Frazier, but Leslie Frazier and the defense, they just gave the Chiefs too much cushion. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde were great in, in coverage, again, way back there as the two safeties. They took away the big play and all the rest over the top. But you know what? It didn't matter. Because the Bills' corners, Dane Jackson, Levi Wallace, whoever it was, uh, linebackers, they let the Chiefs get five to seven yards cushion right from the jump of this football game. And it didn't change in the second quarter, in the second half. It just didn't change. It didn't. And in overtime, the same thing happened. In fact, in the fourth quarter, if you remember, the Bills were up 29-26, had just taken the lead, and then you're like, oh yeah, well guess what, Mahomes is going to go down and score. Five plays, 75 yards, that throw to Tyreek Hill, it was like, what, seven, eight yards, maybe over the middle, maybe a little bit more, and then he ran after that. And then I said, oh, just let him, let him run it in at this point. Don't even try to tackle him because you got to get the ball back. It'll be, be the team with the ball last. And Tyreek Hill was wide open. 
He was given all that cushion. And there's nobody better in the open field in the NFL than Tyreek Hill. And he burned past the Bills' defense, 33-29. And then the Bills come down, and they score, 36-33. Right? Fourth and 13 played Gabe Davis. The touchdown was just insane, just absolutely insane by Josh Allen. And I'll get to the quarterbacks in a second. You know, and then the Bills go to kick it out of the end zone, and then that was not only a bonehead play, but then you had the defense, and they still didn't adjust. They still didn't adjust. I didn't see them bring the house once. In the beginning of the game, the four-man pass rush was kind of working. To a degree, it was working. They were getting up into the backfield and close to Mahomes. There's no question. However... They were overcompensating the rush and overcompensating the pocket by running past and not to and not finishing Patrick Mahomes to the, and putting him down the ground, right? That's really what was going on there. The Bills, they were getting back there, Rousseau and Addison and, and Oliver and, 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 and Phillips. And, they were getting back, Jerry Hughes, they were getting back in there, but they just couldn't make that one quick diving, you know, bring them down type of a thing, wrap them up. Uh, and a lot of times the Bills were up and all of a sudden they were kind of going in and here they go, oh, nope. But then Mahomes, all he had to do was step up two or three feet and he's away from all that pressure because it's all behind him. Well, after that was happening, the Bills literally just, the pass rush was not there and they just gave everybody too much cushion. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are probably going to go to the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, Kelsey for sure. They don't need any help. They're good enough. Don't give them five to seven yards. Taron Johnson, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, they're all great, great, great blitzers. Why not bring the house once, you know? Why not, after Gabe Davis catches that ball to make it 29-26, 75 yards, 17 plays over seven minutes, great drive. Why in the world did you not, right from the, right, right the get-go there, with a minute and change to go, throw the different look at him? What are they going to do, beat you? They're beating you anyway. You know, what are you going to do, leave Tyreek Hill wide open? You're doing that anyway. The game plan sucked by Leslie Frazier. The quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. I got a couple more thoughts, and then I'm done with this because I'm exhausted talking about the Bills. I'm devastated as a fan. 27 of 37 for 329 yards and four touchdowns for Josh Allen. He had 68 yards on the ground with 11 carries. Patrick Mahomes went 33 of 44 for 378 yards, seven carries for 69 yards, and a touchdown. Allen had four touchdowns. These two guys are absolute marvels at the position. You can watch Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes until the cows come home. They are both elite. They are both superstars. They are both fearless. The two best arms in the game. This quarterback competition is unbelievable. It is incredible theater. It's unbelievable and enter it's unbelievably entertaining and enjoyable as you're as you're a football fan through the days here. And Josh Allen went toe to toe with Pat Mahomes again. There are a lot of other pieces in a football game. It's a 53 man roster. As far as these quarterbacks are concerned, they're neck and neck right now for me. They're neck and neck. That's all there's to it. The difference is Kansas City, again, 
They got the ball last. They made a couple of big defensive plays, you know, maybe when they needed to. And their offense is just unstoppable. For as good as Gabe Davis is, for as good as Stephon Diggs is, and by the way, where the hell was he in this game? He only had three catches and seven yards. His biggest play was a two-point conversion and then smacking somebody to the ground who had run in from, from, from the stands. Um, for as good as all those guys are, and they are, the Bills have an, uh, an incredible core of players to throw the ball to and hand the ball off to. McKenzie being another one. I would, as in McKenzie's a free agent, I would sign him in a heartbeat. Um, you know, probably, and I'm going to do a future of the Buffalo Bills podcast in the not too distant future, but, you know, maybe, you know, Emmanuel Sanders off the books at this point, uh, Cole Beasley probably, you know, off at this point. Uh, they did hit Beasley six times for 60 yards, but I just don't know. Cole Beasley wasn't a consistent enough uh, factor in this offense this year for me. Uh, and I think Isaiah McKenzie can bring you a lot of that. I think you can go out and draft some different people. I mean, Stevenson might play a factor into this. Um, you know, McKenzie could play a factor into this. Dawson Knox could get more reps next year. But the reality is, for as good as that group is, and going into the playoffs, the Bills had the healthiest, best, probably overall core. All those guys combined still don't equal Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, in my opinion. They don't. That's how dominant Kelsey and Hill are. So if they're that good and they're Hall of Fame first ballot good, why not good, elite? Why are you giving them cushion, cushions like that? Why? You know, why, why? Why are you giving it to them? I thought in a losing cause, again, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer were great. Tremaine Edmonds was pretty good. He had nine tackles, seven were solo. Matt Milano, 11 tackles, six were solo. Um, Taron Johnson, I thought, really good game. He had a sack in this game as well. I thought all these guys should have blitzed more, um, at least bring the house once or twice. Levi Wallace had a horrific game. He was absolutely schooled the entire time. Uh, Dane Jackson had one or two splash good plays, and then other than that, mm-mm. Um, you know, solid game, I thought, for uh, the likes of Ed Oliver. He had another sack. Um, so all those guys were really good. But, again, the Bills, and I know the Chiefs, the Chiefs have Chris Jones, but he's not quite, I think he's in the second deck of pass rushers in the NFL. Right, either D tackle or you know, D end or a guy who kind of hybrids it and plays both or whatever. Um, I think that Chris Jones, I mean, he's a defensive tackle, but he, he pretty much is like an end two. You know, front guys. He's probably in that next group, probably in that in that one A group or two group. The 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 one group is is certainly you know Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa, etc. The Bills need to figure out their pass rush because the Bills, in the offseason, they made it a point to go out and get Boogie Basham, Greg Rousseau, F.A. Obata, right? Like they've done the last couple of years, few years, they've picked guy Ed Oliver, right? Starla Tulele, free agency in the draft, et cetera. They've gone out and gotten all of these people, right? Mario Addison. They went out and got gotten all these people. And while they're all nice players, and they all share their reps from Ed Oliver to Starla Tulele to Harrison Phillips to F.A. Obata to A.J. Epinesa. Jerry Hughes will probably be gone. Addison will probably be gone. The Bills don't have a bona fide go get guy on the front line. The Rams have three. The 49ers have two. They also have a linebacker who acts like that, so you could say they have three. Right? 
The Bills don't have that. Now look, the Bengals don't have that superstar either. We'll see what Cincinnati does against Kansas City. I expect Kansas City to blow the doors off the Bengals in the AFC title game. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Um, but I'm here to tell you that like the Bills, you they can't keep going like this toe for toe, toe to toe, blow for blow with the Kansas City Chiefs and make the decisions they make and not have a more bona fide, terrifying pass rusher. They're never going to beat the Chiefs. The only way the Bills, as they're lined up with KC right now, if they're going to beat them, is the Bills need home field advantage. And if the Bills had won against the Jaguars, they would have had it this past weekend. If they had beaten the Titans, they would have had it throughout the entire postseason. The goal next year is the same as it was last year going in. You've got to go win 12, 13 games. You've got to get home field. You've got to get a first-round bye. And you've got to win only two games at home. And you're going to the Super Bowl. Because I don't think this team can go into Arrowhead Stadium and win. And I don't want to hear anybody on the social media coming at me with, well, they did. It was week five. Not when it matters. That was an inch. That was a sliver of revenge that the Bills got from last year's AFC title game. You make your mark in January. You, your legacy is created and it forms in January. You become a hero or a goat in January. You become a contender year after year after year by succeeding and being there in January. And the Bills cannot get past the Chiefs. Think about what happened in this game. Stephon Diggs was shut down. Gabe Davis still get, you know, gave you 200 yards. Josh Allen had four touchdowns. Josh Allen was nearly perfect again. He, has nine t- he had nine touchdowns in two playoff games. Right? They had the lead with 13 seconds to go. Think about all that. They came back from a two-possession game in Kansas City. The Elements at Arrowhead. Kansas City's been at two straight Super Bowls, three straight AFC Championship games now that they've made it, right? Actually, four straight, excuse me, four straight AFC Championship games. The Chiefs have been to the last two Super Bowls, but they've now, now they're going to their fourth straight AFC Championship game because they lost to the Patriots in OT, then they went again, then they won the Super Bowl, went again, lost to the Bucks. This year they're going again. That's four in a row. So they've been at three AFC title games going into this game. All the elements, Reed, Biennemi, Spagnolo, all everything, everything. The Bills were up 13 seconds to play, and they couldn't close the door. I fear, as a Bills fan, that they're not going to be able to get past the Chiefs and sniff a title because of this Mahomes era. I understand the NFL isn't set up like that as much as maybe, the well, definitely the NBA probably and definitely baseball, and to a degree hockey even, because even with that cap and the hard numbers and all the rest, you can't just release people as much as like you can in the NFL. I mean, the salary cap is what it is, but it's also slightly overrated because you can create you can create dollars at any time by waiving people, right, cutting people and saving money. This was a devastating loss for the Bills. This takes the cake over most, if not playoff losses of my entire lifetime, and the only more painful losses are the Super Bowls. And I heard Mike Wilbon on with Tony Kornheiser. Oh, it's way worse than the Super Bowls. I don't know. No, you're a moron. Because nothing was more heartbreaking than Scott Norwood. I was 11 years old, wide right. He missed a field goal by a couple of feet. He was making those in practice with his eyes closed. 
Jim Kelly took some blame, didn't get it down to that right hash and down far enough, blah, blah, blah. Can't rely on a 47-yarder, this and that. These days, 47-yard field goals are nothing. I mean, look at this past weekend. My God, McPherson's kicking the crap out of it. Buckner's kicking the crap out of it. The kid Gay's kicking the crap out of it. I mean, all these guys, all of these kickers, Robbie Gould's kicking the crap out of it. These kickers have got monster legs, monster legs. They're making them from 51, 54, 55, 60, 60. Look at Justin Tucker. I fear that this is what's happening with the Bills. Now, final thing I'll say. The Bills, and I'm going to do a whole future of the Bills podcast, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but another thing, too, is that like keeping guys together, is it going to be better or worse if they lose Brian Dable, Leslie Frazier? I mean, you still have the big pieces. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Josh Allen, right? You still have the big three. If they lose both Dable and Frazier, you know, how much does it hurt? I, I, I don't know right now. I think McDermott can still run the defense. McDermott, I trust to bring in a, a, a very good defensive coordinator. I trust all that. Um, I trust him to share the load. I don't know if they'll have the chemistry that he and Frazier have had. Brian Dable, I've, I've, I think he's done a decent job, a, a really good job overall. But I've had some pet peeves with him in the past. He did too many read options with Josh Allen a couple of years ago <clears throat> to get Allen hurt and hit more. Um he got rid of those. He pulled back on them, and, and I was like, okay, here we go. And then the conservative stuff, and maybe that, of course, is the, the Sean McDermott influence in terms of, you know, remember the, earlier this year they wanted to run the ball when they didn't really have a healthy offensive line and downfield blockers, and Devin Singletary didn't become Devin Singletary yet. Um, and, and I understand he didn't have a great game against the Chiefs, but he did have a great last, you know, four, five, six games for the Buffalo Bills, hanging onto the ball, more, more yardage, conditioning program paid off, hitting the hole quicker, breaking tackles, et cetera, keeping the feet moving, keeping the legs moving. He was uh, really good, you know, down the stretch. But there were some calls. And remember, Tyran Matthews was out of this game for the Chiefs early. The Bills, this is not a large reason why they lost. It's just a small piece inside of a game where you unpack so many things. It's just a small layer. And that small layer is I can't get that third and two out of my head in the third quarter. The Bills are up close to midfield, third and two. And Josh Allen, again, taking the ball out of your best player's hands, he runs it up to the left a little bit, goes to hand it off to Singletary. Singletary's already four yards from the first down. By the time Allen gets up and back and he's going away and up to the left, he's taking yards away by handing the ball off to Devin Singletary there. Those kind of things, those little tiny things with Dable, that's where the major criticism is for me. And Sean McDermott, you know what? He probably should have gone for it just about every time on fourth down. He didn't in a couple of spots, and it didn't sit right with me because you got to keep striking, you got to keep scoring. And Sean McDermott, you know what? Like you saw it again in this game with Isaiah McKenzie. Isaiah McKenzie, when he's in the ball game, okay, and he's running the football on those sweeps, and he's in there, you know, motion and this and that and the other thing. Isaiah McKenzie is effective. Their offense is at its best when Isaiah McKenzie is in there. And he's taking jet sweeps and going all over the place and making things happen. When him and Allen are kind of reversing direction and all this other stuff, the defense is guessing all over the place. In fact, I thought they should have gone to McKenzie more. I really did. And who knows if he'll even want to come back because he's not getting the ball as much as he should. Does he want to come back to that? I don't know. Devastating loss for the Bills. The Chiefs are elite. They're going back to the AFC title game. 
I'm Mike Lindsley, Divisional Playoff Weekend Recap, brought to you by Stanley Law Offices, our great friends over at Welch & Company Jewelers, the Syracuse Fitness Store, and your State Farm agent, Matt Graham. Get a free rate quote from Matt today if you're in and around the state of New York. SyracuseInsuranceAgent.com is the website. Go see Matt Graham at State Farm Home, Auto, Life, Business, and Health. You name it, he's got your insurance plan. And a big tip of the cap thank you as well to the Swan and Whitaker families for their support of the program. And hey, you Bills fans, you folks out in western New York listening to me, get on over to Stumblin' Monkey Brewing Company in Victor. They've got all the great beers on tap, crawlers and growlers and awesome gear uh, online as well. And you can go visit them uh, online at uh, stumblinmonkeybeer.com. That's stumblinmonkeybeer.com. Thanks for listening. Hit me on Twitter, at Mike L Sports. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.